you passed your luck check. It's the No Class Podcast with your good friends, Eddie and Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Eddie. what's up? Man, I have missed everyone so very much. Yeah, people don't know this because it has a, has it, how long has it been since our last upload? Has it been a month? It feels Three like weeks? It, it feels like a long time. But we recorded that one probably a month to three weeks before that. So yeah. f- for the listener, it hasn't been as long. It's for us, it's but been, for us, it's been a bit. It's been a bit. But Eddie's probably been glad to have the time away from me. So you know, Always. I do. That's always yeah. something I can appreciate. <laughs> You've got a leak over there. <laughs> You're the area now. Uh, that's, that's just the COVIDs. Um, anyway. <sighs> got any general rambling crap you want to talk about um, before we get into our format here? Well, it's not crap, but you know what we usually lead out with? Yeah. Talk about the long con. That's right. So I've got one for you. Uh-oh. If you like going to the long con <laughs> and you don't have the COVIDs, <laughs> come with us and escape. Boom, boom, boom. Um, in the time of the COVIDs, in right? In the time of, of the COVIDs. COVIDs. Mark two. The time of the Delta. So we're having it. It's still happening. Yeah. Till someone shuts us down, as we like to say. Yeah. Shuts us down or shuts us up. Good luck. Yeah. Duh. Bring it. So did you have anything new and exciting you wanted to say about the long con? Long con number five. Number five. Number five is with, alive. With a beautiful designed logo. Yeah. Man, Mark is just a brilliant, brilliant, incredibly talented artist. And he never, just when I figure, I'm like, man, I'm used to it. He just blows my mind. I mean, it's gorgeous. I'm looking at the logo right now, folks, and I want to touch my pee-pee. It is amazing. Well, you know, the real secret of good art is the design behind it. Whoever had the idea for the art. So, I mean. I'm getting a little queasy over here. I, yeah. Yeah, I paint it with my mind in <laughs> such a way. So what I'm hearing is you're taking credit for what's Mark's amazing. Yeah. Damn right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. But did I don't know if you can notice on this one, but you see how it's cracking too. I saw the cracking, and uh, I think that's pretty cool. Well, I like how the 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 jaw, the shadow of the dragons. You can see the shadow on the five, the Roman numeral V. I mean, Mark's just got an incredible eye for detail, and that's what makes things really pop. The detail. But uh, enough about you know uh, Stroke and Mark. Which thank you, Mark. As always, your Mark, your work's amazing. Um, I'm just really that's that's re, that's reignited my excitement. I was really? raining a bit. I'll tell them on myself, but I just put the fire back in my belly. Well, for our COVID minute here, yeah, I think we're almost back to the same place we were last year. Oh yeah, at this no, time, no, it, this is we're I, in Texas, folks. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to bring the room down, and this is big. you're going to anyway. Power I, through it again. Everything is so divisive anymore. It's like. It hurts my heart and my soul and everything. And I don't want to get into that. Whatever side of this you're on, more power to you. But it's bad. I mean, I'm guys, I'm in the trenches. I see this shit every day. I mean, the worst of it. We're talking about ICU patients. I'm going to say it. I'm seeing, you know, last time around it was gray hair and fat bellies. You know, this wave, it's young people. I see dark hairs, dark hair poking out from under that sheet where people are face down and a tube in every orifice. And this guy who's 31, three months married, He's probably gone as we're talking now. I mean, it's just sad. It just breaks my heart. It's just, we're coding people all day long. It's bad. Well, then I'll politicize it. I'll go ahead and jump on that for you. If you haven't got vaccinated, please do your research and look at it again. 
Yeah. I'm not saying you have to. You have your freedom of choice. This is America. You're free. Constitution. But Get I, I'm highly recommending it to you. Yeah. I mean, uh, guys, this how the concept of vaccines have been around, Jesus, over 100 years or something. I mean, it's not new science. I don't know what's in it. You don't know what's in the freaking cheeseburger you ate yesterday. Give me a break. But anyway, oh, well. All right. But we'll preaching. still be friends. Yeah. No, I love everybody. I'm not judging anyone. Don't judge me. You know, we can have our difference, still be pals, but I, this comes from the heart, man. Exactly. This comes from the heart. I care about people. We know? can't afford to lose one listener. No. You know what? That's right. We've only got four. So. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, we care. Get the shot. You know, whatever. All right. Nothing and if you're that. in other parts of the world, though, I'd yeah. like to see what your experience is right now because yeah. we're in a we're in a hot spot state. Yeah. We're not necessarily in a hot spot of a hot spot, yeah. which is kind of nice that we're out. One of the good things about being out in the sticks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The big metropolitan areas, it's it's nuts, man. It's crazy. People that are getting in really, really bad, like motor vehicle accidents, are having to be airlifted to whole other states yeah. because our ICUs are, are full, full of COVID patients. Well, okay. I, I, wasn't, I didn't even think of the, about this for a minute, but mm-hmm. our uh, good friends over at Geek World, mm-hmm. uh, Mark recently lost his dad, was it? and it was not okay. COVID, but it's sort of COVID-related because he couldn't get a bed. Yeah. They're holding people for days in the ER waiting for an ICU bed to open up or to be able to transfer them somewhere else. Or And then there are people that they'll find a room on the floor where it's really not the level of acuity and care that they should be getting, and then they're having problems because like, you should be in ICU or you should be in the intermediate care area. You're on a regular medical floor where they're like, we're not used to taking these this acuity of illness, and they're being told to take care of four other patients plus this person who really should be getting like a two to one ratio care. Well, I'll let your mind wander where that goes, you know. And it's not anyway. It's 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 sad. It's it's bad news. Um, but now that we've brought the room down, yeah. Are you ready to jump into the books and comic books, or did you have something else you want to get into before we start the format here? Um, I'm trying to think like. Historically, our topic is usually RPG-related. Historically. Yeah, and so I would figure anything talking about RPG that I would probably save till then, maybe right before the topic. Or you can just put it into games, video games. Yeah, okay. All right, so let me know when we get to Depending on what it is. Okay, books, comic books. Um, I have not had the opportunity to read any books or comic books since last we spoke. Okay. I made a little mini update. I was talking about a Godzilla comic that I read. It was all right. Um, I've talked a little bit about we only find them when they're dead, mm-hmm. which that is a freaking brilliant concept. With execution. And it's good for maybe two or three issues. And then after that, I've completely lost interest. Mm-hmm. It's the same guy that does Immortal Hulk. Yeah. And so a lot of his stuff, it's either like, I love it or it just doesn't click. This is one for me that's not clicking, but I'd almost still recommend you go and, you know, like read one or two just because it's such a freaking interesting concept. Yeah. Your mileage may vary. Maybe so. And uh, do you have anything for TV? Uh, TV. Yes, I do believe I do. Um, Let's see. So... Uh, Netflix. That's TV. TV? It's all TV now. If you watched it on your TV, even if it's a movie, right? Um, No, that's movies. So 
I started watching the newest season of Archer. I think did we right. Talk about okay. This? Yeah. And uh, you know, and so really, yeah. Did you like it? I've actually liked the new season of Archer, and I think we might have talked about this before. I'm actually liking this season of Archer a little bit more than some of the previous ones. Well, you okay? This guy's notorious that does Archer for going off on these tangents. Like, I think that's like, Adam Reed. Yeah, like you've got a concept that works. People like it. Oh, okay, they're spies. They're snarky, and all of a sudden they go off and they are on the road being musicians or they're cocaine dealers. Or, so you know. I did not check into this, but I don't think he's writing it this season. I think somebody else is doing all the writing. So Yeah, and they're back to their original format, and it's good. So I think he's a good idea man, but then you need to get him the hell out of the way because he goes off on these tangents. Like Because you can point to, we talked about this, we saw a pattern because he he did Frisky Dingo in the first season. You're like, that's hilarious, Mm -hmm. that's great. And then all of a sudden, they're on the lamb and yuck, 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 and it's like, what? And it just didn't work because he'll have this Really interesting concept, and then he has to flip it on his ear for some damned reason. This guy, yeah, he gets bored with it or whatever. Yeah, make another show, do something different if you've yeah. got to do that. I like, don't know. You've got this great mind for concepts. Just go introduce a concept, and then let people take the ball and run with that. Maybe you then you should go off to your next concept. Don't take what works and throw it on its ear. You know. Um. So anyway, I mean, I'm just saying, I I'm not, I haven't finished it. But so far, oh, it's still ongoing. I think I just right. watched, I don't know, episode three or four, depending right. on how many you've seen. Yeah, so I've probably seen three or four of them, and they're not bad. I like them. The last one I saw, and I think I just saw it last night, this morning, mm-hmm. was uh, he's rescuing a baby gorilla. <laughs> so have you seen the baby gorilla one? I don't think so. Okay, so, so I might be one episode ahead of you. But that one's good. It hits all the familiar Archer Loves Animal notes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love when they were vetting the different uh, new uh, butlers or whatever for yeah. him. Or there's a term when they do everything for you. You're, but anyway, yeah, the one he used to have, Woodhouse, mm-hmm. that's hilarious. Yeah, and I think, who's doing the voice of the one that all the women swoon over or whatever? I want to think it might be old, um, oh, he's British, uh, Simon Pegg maybe? Mm, Is he doing That the sounds right. Yeah. And I, I like him. I don't know. He's, I just like. He's just a likable guy. He is. And he's, I, he's, I feel like he's one of us. He's involved in a lot of nerd culture stuff. We should probably have just have him on the podcast. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'm sure he'd be glad to. Yeah. yeah. We've got one of our listeners that can hook us up that's got a connection probably. Really? Awesome. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Because um, everybody knows everybody. You know, exactly. In, in Great Britain, right? Um, that's kind of. Never mind. He's got a leak again, folks. And, uh, da, 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 da. Well, I'm going to jump in on Go this ahead. one, unless you were going to say something about it. Since you were talking about switching your concept and this and that, yeah. Rick and Morty. Okay, so you went for I haven't touched I'm it. I'm done with Rick and Morty. And you mean like as in I'll never watch it? It's finished. It oh, the season. last season was supposed to be, I guess, an hour-long special, but it was still two different episodes. They just put them both out at the same time, I guess. Uh-huh. So... Ooh, uh, the first one was, I thought, pretty good. And the second one was interesting, depending on how much you care about Rick's backstory and the Council of Ricks and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So how much do you care about the Council of Ricks and the Citadel? And I find that an interesting... Evil Morty. Well, you know, kind of like how we've talked about solar opposites. And it's like, it's hit or miss, it's funny. But the more intriguing and interesting aspect is the wall. The wall, yep. And I like, I want a wall a show just mm-hmm. the wall. I would eat that up well again Rick and Morty's interesting but it's that backstory that there's been in most seasons for a while now is the evil Morty and the Citadel of Ricks 
So that's kind of. But they've told you a couple of times to like, screw that. We don't want to deal with that. And I don't know. It might be too spoilerific to say that that's over with. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah. A bow is put on it. Okay. Well, that might be a good thing because it's something they don't like to mess with. But that's one of those underlying things that's been kind of intriguing and an interesting common note between seasons. So I don't know. To each their own. Right. This wasn't the best season. It, geez, I don't know if it was the worst season. Wow. Maybe. Because maybe the season before this was kind of like half of it was good and half of it was not so good. Yeah, half of it was good. Half and was this one's pretty close, but it's not so much as like there was half bad episodes and half good episodes. It was half of this episode is good and half of this episode's not so good. Yeah. So you get a lot of middling episodes or parts of episodes instead of just across the whole series. But yeah. check it out. And I'll throw this one in while I'm rambling on. Masters of the Universe Revelations, uh-huh. which this is an old topic now for us, but it's a little fresher for maybe our listeners that heard the last one. Yeah. Uh, I was talking with Bradley, uh-huh. and I was like, he's like, I'm not going to watch it because you didn't like it. And I was like, well, you know, we're different people. You might like it. Yeah. Your your mileage may vary. Yeah, you could form your own opinion. Be so he liked it. Okay. Well, so definitely, like I said, go out there and make up your own mind. Yeah. But I thought that was an interesting tidbit to throw in. Yeah, I'm glad you yeah, I like Bradley. He's a good guy and, and yeah. uh, you know, so he's all right. But see he's a big Master of the Universe fan anyway. Yeah, a lot. Even like going back to the previous episode where it was like, How big of a fan am I? And I'm casual. But I've read, you know, all the mini comics and I've sought out the D C comics and stuff like that. So it's like, well, Maybe you're we'll, in the grand scheme of fans, you're you would be a, a big fan, but he is a even bigger fan. Yeah. And so that holds water. I mean, you know, but he, then, then, then does that, is he looking through a different lens then as well? Because yeah, he enjoys, but well, yeah, there's one of the interesting things is he really enjoyed the original series where I'm like, I don't care for the original series. Well, and it's kind of like, if you're so hungry for something, even if like, yeah, if like I couldn't get steak, all they give me a hamburger, but I haven't had beef in a year. You're like, oh, I was glad to have that hamburger. You know what I mean? So I don't know, man. But no, no, um, that's, that's no, that's interesting. I'm glad you shared that. All right. Do you have another show? Cause I got a um, few more to throw in if you're done I was or surfing. when you're done. I, lately I've caught myself in the evening when I get home and have that hour or two before in between work and bed. It's like, ah, I want to read a book or do this, but I just don't have the time to invest. So I've been watching some TV and I, uh, was surfing Netflix and I saw Monty Python, almost the truth. Hmm. And it just, I guess because of what you looked at before they throw up suggestions. And I, I really enjoyed it. They had all the pythons on there. At this time, Terry Jones apparently hadn't died yet. Hmm. You know, Terry Jones died, what, six months ago or something? Or it might be longer. Nowadays, I'll think, that was last week. That was three years ago. But, uh, but they had interviews with Graham Chapman. So you did get, so his voice could kind of be on there as well. Mm-hmm. But they had the other surviving pythons at that time on it. This probably... I don't, know, I don't think this is terribly old, so it mustn't have been probably not too long before Terry Jones passed. But it's really fun. To, they don't really have them in a well. They have at one point Terry Jones and Michael Palin together, but otherwise it's usually them individually. Mm-hmm. And they actually dish the dirt a little bit. You know, I mean, they speak in glowing terms of each other. But when you've worked and been around someone long enough, tell me about yeah, it. Yeah, right. So, but it's it's fun that there there's a little they dish a little dirt. But some great stories behind the scenes and how they got together and what they did before. You know, I enjoyed it. I love stuff like that. Yeah, the uh, Netflix just 
recommended me their last live show that they did together, which is kind of interesting too, because that was maybe a couple of years back, but yeah, it was interesting. They wanted to go out and do it on the stage yeah. the last time. And you know, the prime mover on a lot of this live stuff or spam a lot or is uh, Eric Idle, mm-hmm. but he was the big song Smith generally for them. Like a lot of those iconic, you know, which his big claim to fame is being in the transformers movie oh, back right. in 1986. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. His voice. So, is that all your shows? The, as far as TV shows, yes. All right. Here's one that, and this is just for your amusement listeners, if you're still looking for something to entertain you in these uh, troubling times. Yeah. F is for family. I've been going through and doing a rewatch of that, and I think in a couple of months we might get season five. Yes. I hope so. Man. So if you haven't checked out, F is for family. It's an animated comedy which there's a crap ton of animated comedies now, but that one I can highly recommend to you, and I think Matt will too. Uh, Eddie knows I love it. Bill, I was never really knew that much about Bill Burr, but through that cartoon, but even if you don't like Bill Burr, you'll love the cartoon, but I've kind of learned to appreciate some of his stand-up after having watched that. But, you know, I love F is for Family. It is really great. Yep. Okay, uh, on the animated, while we're still doing that, Disney plus Marvel's What If... I knew, yeah. If I had Plus, I would have already watched that. It's not that good. Really? It's okay. I've seen some of the people in the nerdosphere kind of going, ooh, ah, about it. But then again, some people are just the quintessential fanboy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But I think I liked Loki. I definitely liked Loki better than I've liked What If so far. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things. I am a big What If fanboy. Oh, I love the, the What If comics. Yeah. That's why I was in, when I heard they were doing a What If series, I thought, oh boy, I hope they're going to dust off some of those great old comics and animate them. Instead, it's probably whole cloth. Yeah, I think it's a lot stuff. of new stuff. Yeah, if it ain't broke, but you know, don't get me started. So, I mean, it's not bad. It's just not that good either. I wouldn't go out of my way to watch them, but I think the most recent one, that just came out this week is the Marvel Zombies, Ooh. which I like the Marvel Zombies, so I'm eager to see how that is. But the other ones have a, been kind of... what if with that. There's the ones where they all turn into vampires, ones where they're all zombies. Well, no, the, the Marvel Zombies was an actual line uh-huh. for a while when The Walking Dead was getting huge oh, and everybody yeah. was doing zombies. Ooh, so there's zombies. probably one or two mini-series of the Marvel Zombies, which is pretty good, and then like everything... It has to go too far and get completely watered down and convoluted. So if you're doing the Marvel Zombies comics, just pay attention because there's going to be like, read this and read this and then take a break and come back and read that. Mm. But I will say, it's cool. I did glance at, and I'm backtracking a little bit, but I was in a store and I was looking at, apparently, I guess, uh, what is it, Deathstroke, you know, from DCC. Mm-hmm. Has DC. That's, I mean, excuse me, DC. That's a relatively popular comic these days. Is that that's more your bag? Is that true? Do you know? Well, yeah, he's always been popular, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, I loved him when I was a kid reading the Teen Titans. I mean, he was that villain you loved Teen to hate. Teen Titans, go. Oh, stop. But anyway, but I know that um, I just didn't, it's a, I think he's like his own comic, and he's been one of those, kind of like through the years, like Magneto, he's a bad guy. Well, he's kind of a good guy. Well, he's, he's a good guy. No, he's a bad guy. You know what I mean? So Deathstroke is had his own comic and series and graphic novels and all that. I did not know that. So I think that's neat because, gosh, I think how many years that's been. I was a teenager and like, oh, boy, the Teen Titans comic was one of my – I didn't like a lot of DC stuff as a kid, but I did like Teen Titans, and Deathstroke was a cool villain. And 
it's hilarious that Wade Wilson basically is kind of a everybody loves Deadpool, but I mean he's his own character now. But originally he was a rip off of uh, Deathstroke. And what's Deathstroke's name? Yeah, w- yeah, yeah. Slade Wilson. I mean, hello. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's how Lamo. What's his name? The guy from back in the day, Linfield or whatever his name is. Leefield. Yeah, isn't that who? Leifield. Life something. But I mean, it was just this very. Like, what that's like. Um, oh, the guy who's the big villain in a. Uh, Marvel these days, uh, Thanos is a ripoff of freaking uh, Darkseid, you know, from DC, from DC. So it's just hilarious how much stuff that's gotten real traction, popularity. But maybe Marvel did a better job with these characters that were introduced in another. You know, I like how you can't say DC without adding the other C on there. That's so branded in your brain; it, it really just comes is. out. It is, it is, you know. But DC C. Yeah. Well, I mean that well, that's rolled off my tongue for the last shit, what's it been now four or five years. So. Anyway, carry on. But I just somehow kind of backtracked there. Okay, and the last one, and I mentioned this a little bit on the little uh, mini episode or whatever you want to call it, on Netflix, Dark, D-A-R-K, Dark. Bradley, again, and this would be his episode to get his name dropped a lot, mm-hmm. recommended that one to me. Have you heard about it at all? Have you looked into it at all? I think you mentioned it to me in passing, and I and I promptly forgot, but... So I'll say probably if you if we did talk about it, I said it's really dense. Yes, yes. You can't sit there and play on your phone and watch it. You, you need your That's attention. one that you've got to sit there and pay attention to. It's in a foreign to. language or something. It's right? in German. Okay, so. And then, like I said, it was recommended to me to watch it in German, so I did. And I've heard the English dub is awful. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to read subtitles and keep up with a... Very convoluted, all over the place, time travel scenario. So what I'm hearing is no potato water when I'm watching this. <laughs> not if you want to keep well, up with it. You may not understand it anyway. <laughs> but it is one of those things, too, that I'm glad I watched it all at once and binged it instead of like, here's the first season. Now wait a year for the second season because I wouldn't have remembered anything. That's one. And it really ties back to the previous content is what I'm hearing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah you need to watch You need to watch the whole thing. So, yeah. I mean watch season one maybe and if you're like ah that didn't do it for me run away (laughs) but if you did then you're pretty much going to need to strap yourself down for the full ride so that it's all somewhat clear in your mind all right that brings us to video games all right that's gonna be all you dog oh all right well um on the little mini episode again i talked about ghost of Shishima. Have you heard of that one? Gesundheit. No, sir, I have not. Oh, okay. Playing on this phone. Anyway, uh, that is uh, a samurai in the warring period, the feudal days of Japan, and the Mongols are coming to take over your island to begin their invasion of Japan. Mm-hmm. That is a freaking awesome game. Because I said on the little mini thing that I did by myself, I was like, I think I'll start on that and maybe I'll tell you something about it Thursday. So it's fantastic. Cool. Run, don't walk to go get that. And I think it may just be a PlayStation exclusive. Uh-huh. I won't promise that, but. Well, they need some exclusive. So one more time for me and the, the, the our listeners. What's the name? Ghosts of Tsushima. Ghosts of Tsushima. Okay. And is that a discount priced or anything? Oh no, that's brand new, baby. Brand's making new. Hey, full price. It's fairly new. I mean, it's been out a little bit and I, that one went under my radar. I just heard so much hype about it after mm-hmm. the fact. 
And I was like, all right, I'll check it out. It, if you liked The Witcher, that would probably be up your alley. Um, I'm really, it's a beautiful game. It's got great graphics. I really like the standoff mode. So if you honorably go up and challenge some enemies, you can go into a standoff. And if you time everything right, then you can just take three people down right off the bat. The beginning of the battle is just like whoosh, 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 three strokes and three deaths. Wow. That makes you feel like that cool samurai warrior. Yeah. So really cool game. Highly recommend it. I'm not that far in it yet, but I'm loving it. If it wasn't for this, that's what I'd be doing right now. Wow. The other game that I mentioned was Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night. That's when I saw that you were playing the other day. I'm like, oh. So I knew I, I knew we'd be hearing about that today. So that's very much Castlevania Symphony of the Night. If you like that, this is probably a good game for you to check out. And again, Robert Vegeta recommended that one to me while I was on my Castlevania kick. Uh-huh. So I've just now gotten around to it. But... It's got a very similar look. It's got a very similar soundtrack. It's got a really similar map look to it. It's not the same thing, but the style that they did the map in is very much so. I haven't got very far in that, thanks to Ghost of Shima. Mm-hmm. But if not, that's what I would be in. And I really want to play that and Symphony of the Night close together. Like, I don't know, maybe do a 30-minute run in each of them just to compare the similarities, but you can definitely tell it's a love letter to the old classic Castlevania PlayStation game. Cool. Oh, and I talked about Pathfinder Kingmaker. Yeah, you were playing that at one point one night when we were talking on the PS, and it, that you had just dipped your toe in the water, so you didn't really, couldn't give me a good picture. Yeah, so it's too much for me, just because it's got so much of that crunch, and it's like, should I do this or this or this? It's so many options. But if you love Pathfinder and all the different feats, this game is for you. It would be fan- a fantastic game. Yeah, I, I, from what you were saying then, I thought about it. I was like, if you're someone who just absolutely adored Pathfinder but just couldn't find people to play with, yep. play this. But if you're the kind of person that says, well, what's the benefit of video games over a table a roll-up-top table game? The computer takes a lot of the tedious tasks out of your way so you can just play a streamlined game no they they baked in the tedium of and manipulating but if you want all that rules crunch to manipulate your character this like gary h you should run out immediately and check it out he would and uh our buddy jackson yeah really enjoyed it yeah so and i mean so it's not like a great game if it's your thing but exactly all that tweaking and wheedling like if they made the DCC game or the Barbarians of the Ruined Earth video game, I'd be like, yay! Whereas, again, Gary might be like, no thanks. Yeah. But definitely that Kingmaker, I like that concept yeah. for the Kingmaker. Well, and they just came out with a sequel to it. Cool. So that's out now, and you might be able to get Kingmaker pretty cheap. Well, yeah, hi- historically in the RPG world, that uh, adventure path, as they call them, in Pathfinder, won numerous accolades and awards and whatnot because it was... And I, I would love to... Uh, Gary's got the rules for Pathfinder for Savage Worlds. And so I was like, I I wonder if they might end up, how hard would it be to convert that or if they might do a crossover? Anyway, it would be fun to, I've always wanted to play that adventure path. Yeah. So it'd be neat to be able to do it, you know. Definitely. It, that uh, video game opened me up for the actual RPG where I'd be like, I'm interested in this concept and I'd rather do it as a tabletop 
than a video game just because I don't want to deal with all the crunch. Not that it would be any less crunchy to do it through Pathfinder even. Well, you know, like we're guys who like we like we're old school and that we like sandboxes. At one point, this is funny. We never communicated with Tedra about this, and then one day, me and Eddie were like, "Hey, I'm thinking about starting up a campaign." He's like, "So am I." And we start discussing it. We look at each other like, "What?" We both had decided independently to do sandboxes around the same time, which is crazy. But um, it, it the Kingmaker is this great mm-hmm. sandbox throwback, and it's also one of those ones where it's like adventure conqueror king, where. You know, you start out as just some little schlub, and eventually, I think the territory after you've bested it is yours or whatever. How cool is that? The end cap of the campaign is you're the lord of the realm or whatever that you've settled. Anyway, at least I believe that's how it runs. I've yeah. never played it. Anyway. So All right. Thanks for sharing that. Did we have any movies? Uh, Yes. Okay. So. I'll go on break. Yeah. Having uh, more time, like I said, lately and getting home around, say, eight and figure I need to be to bed. You know, I got to work the next day, da, 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 these long days. It's crazy. I've caught myself watching these nice movies that are an hour and a half, you know, or something. It's about perfect time. And so as me in the past, historically, I've watched older stuff from the, you know, uh, 80s and early 90s or something. And usually it's post-APOC or uh, science fantasy, fantasy, whatever. But um, I have a certain nostalgia for some of those early 80s movies otherwise and one that I remember thinking just it popped in my head I'm like man I remember American Werewolf in London mm-hmm. and I was like why do I have such a a, a romantic this nostalgia for it or whatever and so I queued it up and watched it and you know for its time the effects were pretty darn good I mean mm-hmm. I think it really uh, brought to prominence I want to think I could be wrong on this and if I am I apologize but I think Rick Baker I mean, that was like, I couldn't tell you any special effects guy in the world's name, but I know Rick Baker because like my buddy Tim Flippo, who used to get magazines like Fangora and stuff, mm-hmm. and he just loved all those gory special effects, and that was a big thing that somebody in the 80s was all the gore in these movies, and special effects started becoming more and more of a thing before CGI. And the part where he transformed into a werewolf, man, as a kid and everybody, Everybody's mind was blown. And you might watch that now in the age we live, you might go, yawn. But if you could come from where we came from before that and see it, you'd appreciate that those are just groundbreaking special effects. But going back to, that's probably what really stood out to me as a kid, because you got to figure I was probably early teens watching that. But for two is, I forgot how smoky and steamy the shower scene is between, I can't think of her name, but she's an actress that's still working and still very attractive for her age. And um, and her and the guy from the Dr. Pepper commercials, that was his thing before Dr. that. David something or another. But, yeah, I mean, that shower scene is, I'm like, damn, that's like softcore porn. But anyway, so, again, teenage boy up late on HBO, it's like, oh, boy, you know. Anyway, um, so I watched that. Really appreciate it. I definitely would, if you've never seen American World from London, check it out. It's pretty good. Um, Creep Show 1. So, while, so after I watched that, Netflix suggests Creep Show again, early '80s. They've got Creep Show. Yeah. Well, I have to jump on yeah. that. Creep Show one and two. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check yeah. it out. So, um, Creep Show one has Ed Harris with hair. Um, Stephen King as Jody Verrill. He's the one that gets you know the plants. And he's that hilarious. one happened in East Texas, didn't it? Yeah, he's like meteor shit. Anyway, <laughs> um, and then there was a youngish Leslie Nielsen and a very young Ted Danson. In that, and I can hold my breath a long time. time. Yeah, and the face makes I love it. So, 
great. Those little vignettes are awesome. It's kind of campy, some of it, but it's it's just really great. Um, and so I think it's either now I watched. Okay, yeah, I think also that, that same one is Hal Holbrook. Now Hal Holbrook at this time was a tell him your name is Billy. Yeah, and I love that. You see, he's grinning ear to ear. These memories. Hal Holbrook was a classical, like a renowned, noteworthy actor, like a professional. And so to get him for this is kind of neat because this was kind of like probably thought of as lowbrow. Oh, yeah. But to have Hal Holbrook like, ooh, la, la, you know, and he's, he's great in it. And Adrian Barbeau was always, uh, uh, she's an attractive woman. And in this, she's just this awful harpy. Anyway, you I mean, it's really great. Turns out, uh, yeah, Hal Holbrook added a touch of class. Creepshow had George Romero for the screenplay. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah, I, so I, I didn't. So George Romero, who's, if you don't know, he's famous for the uh, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the mm-hmm. Dead, Son of the Day of the Dead, all those movies. He's the zombie original innovative guy or whatever. So anyway, after having watched that, I segued into Creep Show 2. Mm-hmm. Maybe not quite as good, but still it's got like George Kennedy in it. So again, at that time, Kennedy's career was waning, but this is an Oscar-winning actor. Hey, he, he's a chief woodenhead. Remember the oh he, with the Native American chief yeah, yeah okay yeah and uh, then the raft and what's interesting about the okay. raft I love that one that story yep. out of all this stuff none of this stuff scared me the raft scared the poop out of me I beat you I beat you yeah that line and then yeah watch that so here's what's funny about that was not a few years after having watched this is probably like a 12 13 and I'm 15 16 we can drive there was a place out in the woods that if say anybody mm-hmm. ever skipped school it was called the blue hole I don't know why it's called blue hole because the water was muddy and dirty as crap but we're swimming out there one time and there might have been some illicit substances and you know we're having fun and all of a sudden I look and over one part of the pond there's this semi-circular floating crap on top of the water. And you'd seen this prior, right? And I'd seen this prior to yeah. that. And the whole time I'm swimming, I'm keeping one eye on that amorphous, weird-looking crap floating on top of that water. And uh-huh. I mean, I know looking back, it's silly. But after that... It I'm stuck t- with you. It, yeah, I mean, that really put the fear in me. But anyway. So uh, I always get those two confused. Which one has, fa- where's my Father's Day cake? Um, that, I think... Do you remember? Yeah, is that in one? Because that's me and Gary always talking about, thanks for the ride. Or no, we talk about, where's my cake, you yep. be, you know, whatever. Um, well, Ed Harris is in that one. Okay. And so that one's in Creep Show 1. Like I said, Ed Harris with hair. He's the, the, the boyfriend of one of the heiresses of that guy. And, and that's me and Gary. We'll quote movies, and we're always like, where's my cake, you be, you know. And then... Me then, and Mike. And then also me and Gary go, thanks for the ride, lady. Thanks for the ride. Is that in the second That's one? That's in the second one. I thought one. so. Yeah. And that one's, you know, because she's out with a gigolo and some hoity-toity privileged, you know, one percenter white woman or something. And she runs over this poor guy and it gets, is it her imagination or the ghost? But whatever. That one's a good one. So anyway, but those are fun movies. Yeah, for you youngsters, go and check those out. Yeah. Definitely Creep Show One. Definitely one, and maybe is the Miles on two. We can both, I think, recommend one without any reservation. Uh, yeah, two's okay, two's but if okay. you're only going to watch one, watch one. But those are great. They're they're campy. They're even a little scary. You know, da 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 da. But they're classics. I mean, you know, from that time period. And again, the special effects are fairly innovative for that time before CGI was a thing. And then I'll find movies I watched. So I was back in this kick of watching older shows. And I got, I don't want to even think about this one, but Life Force from 1994. Yeah. So there were those, there was canon 
making movies and Canon made some stuff we've some classics for us in our Nerdosphere. And yeah, Nerdosphere, Battlewick, whatever, in that like I wanna think, um what's one? Get your ass to Mars. Um think of the name but you know what i'm talking about uh arnold schwarzenegger their total own, recall total recall thank you i think canon did that canon did robocop so canon did all these sci-fi and movies and and you know your mileage may vary some of them could be a little trashy or whatever but anyway life force uh kind of stood out a little and again there were some effects in that that are mind-blowing there's some effects that are so bad watch it again it made me cringe was there anybody that was any kind of a star sir patrick stewart is in that movie Hmm. yeah and so i remember even as a kid going wow they got patrick stewart in this you know and at one point he's been possessed by this alien spirit and he's having to talk like a girl you know and you're like going and he really he's the guy's a brilliant actor he did a great job with it but again I shouldn't tell of myself, but I remember having a certain like romance for this in my mind. I go back to watch it. Yeah, there's a very attractive young woman who walks around butt naked through two thirds of the the. That show. sounds like your kind of movie. And and as a teenage boy, you know, it's like it's very attractive, very comely lady. But it, beyond that, it's a decent science fiction movie. But I will say this, and it had some decent actors, even beyond Sir Patrick. But. uh the thing is, like, whoever was writing it, I almost wonder if they changed writers like four or five times because it's the story just, it's like, it's about vampires. Well, no way, it's space vampires. Well, wait, then it's really about this. And then all of a sudden, to destroy the vampires, you have to do this when you really thought you had to do that. But it's like, yeah, but, but said and done for its time period, what they did, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would check it out. Your mileage may vary, you know, whatever. But um, you'll watch it and hate it. <laughs> well, I heard Watch Creep Show. That's yeah, what I heard. Yeah, right, right, right. But I just uh, I thought it'd be funny was when you, I love how you asked, was there anybody noteworthy in that? Sir Patrick Stewart is actually in Life Force. But it's one of those canon, and you have to think about that time period, those canon films. I mean, anyway, so that's my movies. Okay. Uh, the last thing that I'm going to just mention to you is talking about uh, Pathfinder and some other games. I heard this term, early game hell. Have you ever heard of that one before? talking about how some games are just freaking hard as balls at the very beginning. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, if you get a few levels in or... I term, but I totally get what you're exactly. talking about. Exactly. We talked about maybe having one episode where we talk about gaming um, lingo or whatever, or some of the nomenclature that's come out of gaming, like uh, player-forward rules or uh, carry-on. But just that, that was a term that was new to me when I was doing the little research on Pathfinder, mm-hmm. and people were like, it's kind of got early game hell and there's other ones like that and even you could apply that to role-playing games like Mm -hmm. back in the olden days of D&D it's like man before you get a couple of levels under your belt you can just get the shit beat out of you so it's not so much the rules but the game design yeah being tough on you as a yeah you got to get a certain amount of levels in or you got to get so much experience or there's such a learning curve yeah because I mean I don't I don't feel early old I mean if you've never played an RPG before and most people cut their teeth first on D&D there is that learning curve even though I won't say compared to some games I've seen it's not that like oh my god I got to learn old school D&D meh I'll have you the basics in 5 minutes but but think yeah but think about but as far as playing the playing concept oh, like sure. you're going straight into the Temple of Elemental Evil yeah it's like oh crap until you start acquiring those magic items and yeah. learning what your guy can do and maybe I need to take a 10 foot pole yeah old school D&D unless you were playing 
a fighter, it really sucked for about the first five levels, I would say. That's my opinion. That's why you always start as a fire a fighter and then cross over into something else, yeah. Or if it starts at a higher level, then you're like, I'll be the wizard. Yeah. No one ever wanted to play the, the monk, the wizard, you know, maybe necessarily even some other things. But if you would, hey, we're going to start at level 10, all of a sudden everybody wants to play a monk or a wizard or something. Old school D&D. So. But underloved and underappreciated is your personal favorite, the fighter. Well, there we go. The and fighting man. There we go. So. It's a topic, folks. What a brilliant segue. Um, so are fighters, so are fighters boring? Or are you? Ha ha. Um, so we've just talked about, kind of, I was going to recap early editions and fighter dominance. In old school gaming, like D&D for sure, and even some other ones, the first five levels belong to the warrior. Everybody else kind of sucked. But fighters right out of the box were the most effective. And if you kind of knew your local play group, and a lot of times we're never going to get past level six, seven, eight. How many times the campaigns get to about that level and then fritter out? Um you you would find yourself playing fighters a lot because you knew the first five levels, you know, you, if you want to enjoy them, you're playing a fighter. Um, just just by the by the game dynamic, I remember playing wizards because uh, optimism sprung eternal or whatever. I'd always held out one day it would happen. I'd go higher levels. Wizards sucked absolutely. Were just awful until about level five. That's when they even really became playable. And I'm not talking about this when they blossomed. I mean, that's when they were just becoming playable. Over the next five levels, now you're getting some momentum. You're on parity maybe with the fighter and some other classes. The, the rogue can finally pick some locks and pockets and climb things. Um, the cleric's starting to get some spells, but he already had better hit, die, better armor class, whatever. Uh, but fighters rocked. And then around level 10, their fortunes start to wane. And by level 15, the fighters in the corner pouting while the wizard and cleric are dominating mm -hmm. everything. But how, how rare do campaigns go to those levels? So you never really saw that. So yeah, back in the day, it was all about for the first probably three editions and third edition, the poor fighter, like it needed some help. Third edition with all the feats and cool stuff, fighters again, just kicked ass and took names for the first 10 levels or so. Um, so Time marches on. Fourth edition, who cares? It was so homogenous or whatever. Every class was kind of, yeah. you, you, know, you get your one at will and your one once per combat and your utility power. It's your just, dailies. It's just flavored. Yours is a radiant light. Uh, yours is a, a fire bolt or whatever. Yours is your sword slash or whatever. I mean, yeah, I mean, who cares? There was no, so ignore fourth edition. Here comes fifth. All of a sudden, here it comes. Everybody wants to play casters, of course. And you, and it's. I've heard people on the internet because I go to various forums and places that to learn about gaming, better my craft. Just that's my hobby. And I've seen a lot in recent times people talking about we need somebody to play the fighter to get out in front and be a speed block force. Nobody wants to play the fighter. Is it to a point where because it used to be back in the day nobody wants to play the cleric and nobody wants to heal mm -hmm. is. Is fighter the new cleric? Yeah, you have to wonder. Yeah, so we're 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 talking about it. So it's like, what what is the problem? Is you know, if there is one, is people don't seem to want to play fighters. You know, uh, you know what happened to that old fighter dominance or whatever? It's it's gone. Um, so, how would you bring that back? What would you do to, to improve the fighting man's class? Well, and so here's the thing is, first of all, I don't want to cover ground we've already covered. 
by all means, I like it. I think it's one of our, our better casts. Listen to uh, They Took My Job or whatever. In that, I talked about how to make any class more interesting. It's the one where, hey, I'm playing a dwarven cleric of Morden. This other guy wants to play one, too. He's just like me. Well, flesh your character out more. Make your character more interesting. And you might even have more fun at the table role playing. So I'd still say refer back to that, how to really flesh out your fighter and make them more interesting, you know. Um, but like I say, it's up to you in that same vein to make an interesting character, but be sure to work with your GM. And I think that would be part of it mm. too. Yeah. Is that if you're waiting around for your GM to pick up on the fact that you need him to kind of kick the ball to you so you can kick it back and then you're going to be mad or pout about it. No, go talk to your game master, game mistress and say, Hey man, here's my idea for a warrior to make it interesting outside just combat. Hey, work with me. You know what I mean? And because, yeah, that's just it. And this is sad. You can build a really interesting character sometime, but if the character doesn't give you a chance to hit those beats with your backstory, Mm -hmm. then what's the point? I mean, I'll even tell on myself, you had built a really interesting fighter with a backstory that was really detailed, uh, Craig. And, but unfortunately, the kind of campaign we were playing at that time, I was in school, newlywed, it was railroady. Unfortunately, if it had been something that I was doing, it didn't have any backstory. That was not a homebrew, that was a pull off the shelf module. It was. And there's things I could have done to breathe life into it. But at that time, I really did not have the time to do it. So we were unfortunately playing. And we were round robin GMs. Exactly. Yeah. If it had been something where I could have either said, let me make this more living or let me do something whole cloth, I absolutely would have had, you had hooks for me to hang subplots on, you know, and side quests and things. But going beyond the fighter, you get a lot of new people coming into RPGs now that are like, I have this novel written about my character. And it's like, Sometimes the GM can't necessarily. Is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if he if he goes after all your places that he can hook subplots, no one else will get it. This is going to be your show. Um, and then you have the backstory where it's like, and I saved the kingdom. And it's like, well, you did everything in your backstory. How can you be a first level character now? Right. But right. that's totally switching topics. So yeah, that's back to the cast. back to the underappreciated fighter. But that's that. No, you, you're hitting a good point. So a lo- uh, let's go. Let go of any preconceived notions of what class is what. Uh, and I mean that. What, what do I mean? A fighter doesn't what have do you to mean? be the dumb brute. They can be as cunning as a rogue, as intelligent as a wizard, charismatic as bards, or saintly as clerics without actually playing a paladin. And so what I'm saying is, like, to make your character more interesting, you know, uh, and it even maybe even dip into some other classes, kind of like multi-classing. But even beyond that, if you know, I'm going to say strict fighter, you could do things with skills and your story your character concept. So don't, a lot of people want to min max and I'm guilty of that too, where mm-hmm. low intelligence, low charisma, low wisdom. Let me see. Let get, make sure my strength, Dex and con are crazy high. Well, you set yourself up to have this. If you're going to play to your stats and I always think I'm that guy who's like, play to your stats. That's what fair is fair. Don't I have these brilliant ideas. Your guy's intelligence is a six. Get out of here with that. You know, um, we proved this a while back when Eddie was running, um, borderlands and i said i'm bringing a rogue to the table and i will not min max he had some charisma he had some intel he was relatively wise my stats weren't he was still highly effective and fun to play and so i had a good time playing that rogue and i think everybody at the table had you know fun as well you know and so i was really kind of proud of myself that i didn't power game i didn't min max and so um because that's one of those things where um yeah, again, you're a fighter. What's your shtick? You know, 
bashing, stabbing, cutting things, but find clever ways of doing it or describe what you're doing in the combat or whatever. So it gives a little more flair. Um, use the environment around you for ideas. So again, um, I think your, your Game Master DM will often give you more leeway if you are creative with your attacks in combat because that is the place where you're supposed to shine. But if you're over here reading a play on your phone out of combat because, well, all my skills and abilities are focused on being this combat monster. Damn right. And I'm nothing outside of combat. Well, then don't complain about being bored. You set yourself up for that. I mean, would you agree with that statement? Yeah, and I would think you can give yet another example with old Wondar the Barbarian. He's a beast in combat. But out of combat, he didn't have anything going on. Yeah. But I didn't complain about it either. I was like, that's... That's how this guy is built up. He's boring as a skill character or whatever. He's got yeah. his things. Like yeah. if there was any slavery, that was his one. He was yeah. the goody good guy. So he had that, but it's kind of like, you guys go into town and, and I'm going to find something to eat and that's it. Yeah. You can Everybody else can have their spotlight moment because yeah. it'll be my spotlight when we get back to combat. And I wanted some RP outside combat, but same. I felt bad. The lot of times it seemed like you were just over here in the corner, but you never complained. And at one time, I think I'd like to think I reached out and said, and you were like, no, it's okay. This is kind of his shtick. You would go, you know, Wondar uh, is going to go gorge on food and he's going to train the local militia. And I'd go, okay, great. And we'd even talk about like an 80s... Um, Montage. Montage of you treat him how to fight or whatever, but you know that was the that was the shtick, that was the character. Um, and I will say in combat, it seemed like because that was your shtick, I gave you you'd go, I'm going to do a triple flip and knock the guy off of his mount and do this, and I'd go, okay. I mean, because that's that's the character's built to shine in that regard, and I think that helped kind of make up for the other maybe. Um, so I never played a rogue, but years ago, but when I did, he had a bag of holding his bag of tricks kind of like his utility belt. Mm -hmm. So why can't a competent fighter have a bag of tricks? Conan was a great fighter, but he was cunning too. We've talked about that. Mm -hmm. People want to think back, like Conan was just a big brute. But yep. actually, if you really go back and read the pulps, he was not some road scholar, but he was cunning, you know. He had a certain, he knew tactics and whatnot. He had been a fighting man. He had a lot of common sense, and he had battle skills, and yeah. smart like a panther. Cunning as a panther, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, if you're only good in combat, you're going to be bored outside combat. We just said yep. that. Um, don't be one-faceted. Min-max, you're bored. Yep. Again, if you have a novice GM, you may need to talk with them about giving you opportunities to shine outside combat if that's what you're wanting to do. Even on a min-max character, you can have a rich role-play experience, but be honest with the game. So play to the stats. And a, and a good example was years ago, I played a barbarian, half-orc, unglore. One of my most favorite characters had a blast. I normally played wizards, and I'd never played the big, dumb, brute guy. But I embraced the role and played the big, dumb, brute. And I had so much fun with it. Mm -hmm. And um, um, he was childlike, but brutish. Um, and we had this great repartee. A buddy of mine, you've heard about Gary H., he played an elven war mage. And so the relationship between their characters, I mean, imagine a great, big, you know, six-foot-five brute half-work with a blade that was bigger than most people or something, you know. And um, and he's just dumb as a stump, but just a killing machine. And then here's this little weedy 110-pound soaking wet, you know, uh, elf guy that's his, but he would defer to him a lot. And Gary played it really great where he was never – disrespectful to Unglor, but he would sort of guide him and nudge him and anyway the role play was great and once again if you've got a buddy that you can play with like that oh that's just gonna 
take it to another level. So playing off each other. Synergy. It, yeah, absolutely. So it was great. Our characters were effective, but there was great role playing as well. I would say as another example, and, and do you have anything to add to that or riff off that? No. Okay. DCC is brilliant with its D die, but not if you're if you're not thinking. Being creative, you know, if you're not being creative, it's it's a sad waste. So I mean, again, we saw where when everybody's calling now. Um, He's Mister Popular. I know, well, that was Gary H. So he must have his ears are burning. Good. But. Um, because here's the thing, I get sad. I've ran a lot of DCC, and it breaks my heart. I see people play the warrior, and they don't utilize the deed die. Yeah. And it just breaks my heart, because when I've got a chance to play dwarves and warriors at cons, I mean, I'm doing all kind of cool stuff with that deed die. It is phenomenal. I mean, it's a great, they were brilliant in that if people are, aren't creative playing a warrior, it helps you to hit and damage. Good enough. But if you're not trying to do some stunt every round or yep. every so often, you're... Well, the just whole time you were talking about the warrior, I was like, you know, the deed die just fixes a ton of that Bam. if you have any imagination. And have imagination playing a fighter. Yeah. I've never liked fighters because there wasn't that much I felt back then you could do with them as far as cool creative. Because how could I shine playing a wizard? With spells, you could do out-of-the-box crazy stuff to change the composure of a combat. Really change the dynamic of what's happening in that scene. And I love being able to do that, being creative, thinking you're a smart player. I've seen you with wizard spells do amazing. I've seen you even without having to resort to spells doing really creative things because you're thinking outside the box. And so, yeah, the D-Dot, I thought about bringing it over to other games because it's brilliant. It fixes a lot of that boring fighter stuff. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, if you're not, as a fighter, using your D-Die, it's sort of like if you're playing Barbarians and you're not just going full out and barbarians of the ruined earth if you're not going full out cartoon crazy with that because it's yeah. like you're missing the point this is the chance for the fighter to shine and do all that crazy athletic impossible type Over stuff top, yeah you know saturday morning wwf kind of stuff that's that's where it shines and that's where other players are so used to other games it's like you had to you know lead them they see you do it and go what and we look at them and go you can do this too to a certain degree you know, think outside the box, you know, but people get so rigid. And that's one mm -hmm. of the things where everything in some games is so overly codified. It really inhibits your creativity, I think. When all you've got is a hammer, everything's a nail. Bingo. Wisely said, sir. Um, so, yeah, so I will say to not just necessarily promote DCC, but yeah, the deed die, but that's a concept you could carry over into any number of games. Because I always thought, in third, it made me angry that, like, I did try to play a fighter. I'd go, well, I want to sweep the leg. Well, you're going to be at a penalty because you don't have the special feet. I want to shield bash him. You don't have the special feet. I'm like, I'm a fighting guy. This should be part of the DNA of this class. Why do I have to have all these feats to do it? Well, think about another game that we've been checking out now, Savage Worlds, and how much you could do to build your fighter-type character mm -hmm. and all the, like, command stuff that you could take. Oh, yeah. So it's like... I can hit stuff really good, and I can do sports stuff really good to help my friends out. Oh, like, yeah. uh, what was the one where you could give them the order so they could throw off their shake it off? Yeah, there was there was one I could their shaking name condition. Of it, but I played the Sarge, who was going to be kind of the so-called, you know, the leader. Of the the leader. And so, but I like, well, how do I denote that I'm a leader? Well, I love that idea. I, if someone was shaken, I could say, shake it off, soldier, you know, rub some dirt on it, you know, pull it together, man. And then, boom, you get to throw off shaken or whatever that condition. I, that's, that, I, yeah, I love that. That's, that's great. And Savage Worlds is a neat game as well in that regard. 
And, but you see, once again, I, was, I could have taken some feet that made me an even badder, badass sergeant so-and-so. Meh. My guy was already pretty effective in combat. How cool to do something that denotes that he's a leader, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, good point, man. Um, so, I, I won't... I don't believe necessarily in a boring class. I just don't. That's where you come into play. That's where you role play. You give the character some cool background, some behavior, some traits, a certain way to speak or act, steal from movies, books, games. We've talked about this. If you think your character is boring, that's between you and the GM to fix that, you know, if you think your character is boring. Um, I think the fighters are boring. I, I think the fighters are boring thing comes down to unimaginative players who lack creativity. And it's where they've gotten so used to, well, all my bells and whistles are codified with these other classes. Well, this is where, you know, you need to sit down and think of, think outside the box. Don't think you're constrained by the rules. Try to go to the gym and go, listen, you know, obviously kind of rein me in if I'm getting a little too wild with it. But do things, think outside the box. Leg sweeps, kick and sand their eye. If it's a game that doesn't normally, well, there's no special feet for that or whatever. Oh, well, I'm a fighter. Why, why wouldn't I be able to do this? And hopefully the gym can educate in the moment. Well, okay, you'll have disadvantage or minus two or something, you know, and then roll with it, you know, or come up with a save for the monster to make when you kick the sand in their eye or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then again, like I said, don't build a one-faceted character and then complain that they're a one-faceted character. What else would you say about fighters? Um. Going back to uh, some of the stuff you said on building, you can change it up, do some unusual stuff, uh, make your female fighter so she's Xena the warrior princess, be a gnomish fighter or something crazy like that, that it's unusual. It's like, why is this guy a fighter instead of the more traditional illusionist or something? What makes him so good? Maybe it's that he's very dexterous or something, or he always knows the weak point to hit. Mm -hmm. So try some out-of-the-box stuff to shake it up for you, too. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Not every fighter's got to be a big brute. I remember in DCC, because that went off rolls, I always laughed that our wizard that Eddie played was stronger than the fighter, and the fighter had a higher intelligence score than Eddie's wizard. So that was just kind of neat that if ever our fighter player had, I've got this brilliant idea, I'd go, okay, let's hear it. you know. And on the other hand, there are times where... <laughs> I cast fist. He cast fist and beat the crap out of stuff with his brawny wizard and it was hilarious we broke some concepts you know and mm -hmm. so i love that you know it wasn't the usual cookie cutter kind of stuff yeah yeah so you know try something different there yeah because i like in the uh, comic order the stick mm -hmm. the fighter the party's leader his dad was a wizard and wanted him to grow up to be a wizard and he's you see through the comic he's smart but yet he's the party's fighter, you know. But if he was statted out, I bet his... But he's the tactician, too. So, yeah, he would have to have some of that intel to yeah. go along with it. Yeah. And I remember one time knowing a guy who played a halfling barbarian, and I loved it. He had a, It was fun to see a halfling barbarian, you know. And so, anyway. And you, people go, well, that's not min-max. If he had played a half-orc or a human, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. He was effective. He was fun. And it was kind of shook up the paradigm or whatever. Anyway. All right. Have you fixed the fighter? Have we? Have you? I think we have. All right, then. But, I, you know, who it really should tell us would be the dear listener. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Indeed. Listener, if you're still out there. Yeah. If you're still listening, listener. Yeah. Exactly. Send us your disapproving looks through the mail. Please do. Wag your finger at us. 
All right. Well, how we have begun closing this is with the Tales of Osric. Oh, yeah. With the first edition update. I've been waiting with bated breath to hear about the new, the most recent goings on. So I can't remember if we closed out Castle Amber, if we have talked about it, but me and the listeners have. So they did finish Castle Amber. They got their fabulous loot. And I said, well, what'd you guys think about this one? And I thought it was really kind of a grind death house. And they'd be like, yeah, that wasn't so good. Let's try and stay away from stuff like that. But I think the loot at the end was so wonderful Mm -hmm. that it took all that bad taste out of their mouth. They're like, that one was a lot of fun. So, but now we're in the desert of desolation doing the first part of it. Pharaoh. That's a classic. And we've got our TPK. That's it. (laughs) Another one. I don't think we had a TPK before, did we? I well, think we've had one person walk yeah, away. We've had one person walk away. It seemed like more than once, maybe. But, the, but this but was the full-blown, everyone's dead, wow. start over. Wow. So at the end of Castle Amber, I tell you this story to tell you that story. Yeah. At the end of Castle Amber, I think just about the worst armor class in the party was a minus one. Wow. The worst. That's and phenomenal armor Yeah, class. for those of you that are new school, a minus ten is as good as it gets back in the olden days yeah. so and a 10 would be just as bad as you could get like basically a minus one is comparable to something on the lines of like a 19 in the in the in the current rules like a minus one is close to have that's like an 18 19 armor class in the current edition which is a great armor class a phenomenal armor and then class. you may not even heard of such tales before we had somebody with a minus six whoa that's astounding yeah and yet, and yet, when the time came for them to die, oh, they died. Died of plenty. With so much loot that will be unrecoverable. But was it failed saving throws instead? Pretty much, yeah. Yes. Because it's, it's like, I don't care. I don't it's care like, I can let you guys it. have all this wonderful yeah, stuff yeah. because when it comes time for you to die, you'll still die. Yeah. I can kill you at any time at my leisure. I mean, old school, it's like. It's yeah. It's like okay, yeah. Your armor class is phenomenal. You got decent hit points, but definitely old school. It's like you've been poisoned. Make the save. Oh, you failed. You die. But I think there was an angry GM that we have talked about before, where it's like the TPK and the like class of death. Uh-huh. Like a level one TPK is this, and the level two, like the level one is the rocks fall and everybody dies or something like that. Yeah. That doesn't take any skill. Yeah. for the GM or what have yeah, you. And then you've got the, like, the level two where just something happened, and then the level three is where the players kill themselves. Mm-hmm. So this was kind of a level three. Uh-huh. It's, it's named, he's actually the angry GM or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. that was pretty funny because a lot of times with a TPK as the GM, you still kind of feel bad because yeah. you're rooting for the party. Yeah, And absolutely. I don't think either one of us would be considered killer GMs. No, I'm always almost always rooting for the, the players, absolutely. So here's what happened. Here's the story. And it's kind of spoilerific if you were going to run out and play Desert of Desolation. Which is a great series of adventures, yeah. But there's one point where you have to get to the next area by going through a brazier. Mm -hmm. A magical brazier that people are, the Pharaoh is holding it, the statue of him is holding it, Mm -hmm. and there are all these people praying to him. Keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. You're basically in their church. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they've gone past a lot of these people already, these worshipers in different areas, and they're like, hey, buddy, how you doing? They're cool dudes. Yeah. They're living their best life. Mm-hmm. They're not evil enemies. Yeah. But murder hobos came in. Uh-huh. Murder hobos. Which are the adventurers. Mm-hmm. So 
part of the party decides, screw it, I'm going to go stand in this brazier. Well, that is the way. Sacrilege. Uh, they were fine with that oh, because that's where you make your offerings. Oh, okay. Offerings to the god go there. Mm-hmm. So they'd put some food in there and they'd put some coin in there and mm-hmm. watched it disappear. And I was like, well, okay, these worshipers would think nice things about you now. They were kind of neutral. They're like, as long as you don't mess with anything, yeah. we're fine. So they put in a tithe. But now they've given some stuff, so they're like, all right. Well, eventually, certain party members go in and put themselves in there and poof, disappear. So the first person disappears, uh-huh. and you can't say, all right, you're dead, or yeah. you're in this new part of the dungeon, and you see this because you've yeah. got to see what yeah, everybody else is going to do. Yeah. You don't want to influence their decision. That's classic. Yeah, that's a classic. So another person goes in, and it's just like, okay, boof. A literal leap of faith. Yep. Then the third person goes in, boof, they're gone. So it's like, are they dead? Are they alive? Who knows? Well, the other members of the party are like, screw it, we're not going in. We're never going in. Okay. So it's like, all right, I'm going to have to do this in two parts. Well, the part that everybody knows is the people that didn't go in. So I'm like, all right, we'll work with them. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to go back over here and sit and wait. Mm-hmm. And then the cleric decides... They're going to try and put out that flame. The holy flame. The holy flame. Of where these all these worshipers are at. And there mm-hmm. was, I think, at least 11 of them. Mm-hmm. And, there, and then there's actually more probably elsewhere in this yes. church. And if you leave this area, you're going to have to run through 50 more or something. Yeah. So just in this area, you know, if something broke out, you're going to have to deal with 20 to 30 people. You're going to have to deal with 10 immediately. When these guys, hey, hey, they're attacking. If you don't think, this isn't a video game. They're going to come running from two rooms away and dogpile you. Yeah. So. I see where this is going, but carry on. I'm kind of thinking, no, that flame wouldn't go out. But in the older rules, it's like, well, even if it's a permanent effect, you could temporarily suppress it. So I'm like, okay, you have a percentile chance of this happening. So roll your percentile. They're trying to dispel magic. Yeah. Yeah. Which you could suppress like a permanent spell, even if it didn't. So the clerics over there starts waving their hands and the holy fire goes out. So all hell breaks loose naturally. Yeah. So I was like, what are you going to do now that they're all like drawing their swords and giving you the angry look? Run out of the room. Okay, that runs you into the uh, fighter and the wizard. So I said, okay, fighter and wizard, you see the cleric coming towards you with angry people. Chasing you. Following. What are you going to do? Fireball. So fireball goes off, and this is old school, so it's into a little narrow hallway. Uh So it's like the fireball is going to peek out this way and the fireball is going to peek out the other way so some people in here are going to get burned and the cleric running out it's going to get burned yeah so that does some damage and yeah they've just now firebombed the church hooray murder hobos and there was this loud so now more people are coming like what's going on so they start fighting the remaining people from that one area while i'm like you're hearing a lot of noise over here the feet are coming your way so there's uh, two clerics in that area, and with a couple of hold persons, oh my! that's the end of that yeah. scene. And I'm just like, they freaking execute you. There's no, we'll throw you in the cell yeah, and maybe come back to you. You're heretics. And they're fanatical about their religion. Yeah. So I was like, I don't feel bad about that. 
you kind of brought that on yourself. But that's only part of the party. So that, of course, split the party. Uh-huh. That's it's the best way to always, ensure you get your TPK. Always a good idea to split the party. So the rest of the party is now in the new dungeon area. And I'm like, all right, how am I going to introduce these other characters back in? They're new characters. Well, we'll think about that. But for now, what are you guys going to do? So they start exploring. Mm-hmm. So again, spoilers, they come into a room mm-hmm. in this dungeon that's full of mists. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's cool. That's a great adventure. Yeah. So they come into this room where they, and they listen first before mm-hmm. they go in. They've got that one going. They hear some crying. So they come into the room, mm-hmm. and they see five elves standing over some scattered bones, crying. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of dressed like adventurers, the elves are. Mm-hmm. So they come in, and they talk with the party, and the elves tell them, this was some people that we were searching for. They came here adventuring. We found their bodies, and you know we're mourning their passing now. We, we found our friends. Mm-hmm. They say, by the way... We also know how to get around in this dungeon with all the mists. So here's the trick. One of our people and one of your people will take this rope and walk into the mist, and then the rest will follow. Okay? You with me so far? Mm-hmm. So they're like, that sounds like a great idea. Mm-hmm. It's been 30 years since I ran this, but it's coming back to me now. Carry on, though. So the thief and the... Mysterious elf, our new elf friends, walk out into the mist. Well, when they get to the next room that they can see things, Mm -hmm. the mystery elf is gone. The thief is still there, but the mystery elf is gone. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, that's interesting. And I said, well, yeah, because the way this, the elves are telling them, the way this works is the other guy, the other elf, will appear behind us. See, let's go into the next room. You come forward, wizard, and you walk with this elf, and you'll see how the other one reappears. Mm-hmm. So they're like, yeah, let's do that. So, and scene. So their one dwarf fighter had found a ring of contrariness, mm-hmm. and luckily it was Papa John that found it, so nobody could tell. <laughs> there was no difference. <laughs> but the dwarf's just like, I'm not going with you. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Uh-huh. And they're like, well, we had no idea that it was the ring affecting you. We thought that was just you. So these, uh, his two party members and three elves come back, Mm -hmm. revealing themselves as doppelgangers and kill him. Uh So that's how you get the party split and let them kill themselves. Mm -hmm. Don't trust strangers in the dungeon. Yeah. Even though I didn't, I don't remember it. I don't. I'm sitting. I was asking myself. I said, "Is this just my common sense of gaming of forty some odd years, or is this me remembering the adventure?" But as soon as you started describing that scene, I said, "I bet those were doppelgangers," and they were. And you figure like, "Well, how did they know this, this, and this?" They had read the party's minds through the mists as they were coming in. They knew. You have. They have a ninety percent accuracy of being able to read your thoughts. Yeah. So they can say like something that would be conceivable and play off of you know what would be common knowledge against the players. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, it's like, well, they could have got in there and been like, oh, we'll hang out with the party for a while if there had been six of them. Yeah. But when it's three, yeah. it's like they could have just jumped you right, right there right and away. said, heck with it. But they wanted to maybe if they can get even better odds. And plus, doesn't this miss, I remember, teleport you around the dungeon? Am I crazy? What am I I'm trying to remember? It's been a long time. There's ones that do that. This one 
for the most part is just obscuring and makes it hard for you to know what's going on and it's disorienting. You don't know left from right and north and south so So much. So players can't really do an accurate map. I remember there was some quality to the mist that was disorienting or or mischievous or whatever. Wow. So But that took them like three rooms to get to that part and get themselves killed. So we had an early day. And so the hilarious thing is now all their loot has been tied their to... Their baddest of loot. Has been tied to the deities of, of the Pharaoh's bowl or whatever or something and then are, are, are spread amongst the faithful and the other ones, a bunch of doppelgangers are running around with some really cool gear. So, yeah, oops. Yeah, that's even worse. It's kind of like when you have that unrecoverable body. Yeah. It's like, okay, I died, but I know where my loot's laying. So here It's not laying anywhere now. That's the question. Have they Begged had a, for it. a belly full of old school yet or what? Nope. Wow. They're still into I'm it. I'm proud of them. Good. Yep. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm envious. I miss the, I would love to be playing Osric. Because so. there are there are some other things I'd like to check out. Uh, we've uh, threatened to do some Barbarians. Cool. We're going to do Barbarians next week. And uh, there's a lot of interest in that Green Ronin Song of Ice and Fire. But nope, we're sticking to the Osric path. And uh, riding it out. And we're going to do Ravenloft pretty soon since we're getting towards Halloween. And that's your jam. That's your baby. But we're going to do the original classical module versus Strahd. Yeah, yeah. With all the cool So I'll probably get killed again. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be horrible. I can't wait. Die and die again. That's right. That's right. But that's your old school Osric minute. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. That was very amusing. You got anything else before we uh, run out of hit points here? I think, uh uh-oh, that was the last hit point. Oh, no. (sighs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye.